Broadcasting to you live from the Badlands of Texas. Reaching the signal all the way from Southern Australia to Northern Ireland. You're listening to Midnight Radio. I'm your host, Jerry Adams. No need to adjust your computers. No need to tap your telephones, not even your screen. Although you might want to spank your uh, radio right now because I forgot to broadcast on the radio stream. I'll do that right now. Wait till I tell you what happened to me. Hold on now. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Midnight Radio Live. I'm your host, Jerry Adams. Glad you could join me today. Matter of fact, you're getting the full, beautiful picture there if you're listening on the radio right now. We are live, and just so you know, it is. It is, what, 649 Central Standard Time on March the 14th, 2023. Such a beautiful day. I guess it depends on how you take the day in your heart. I do have a lot of, a lot of, um, I don't even know how to, tragic stories in the news tonight. I got a lot of financial stories, a lot more. Well, just hold on. We're about to go into it. We are going to start with talking about the Idaho four, even though you're not seeing my face right now, that is right. It is all black right before exactly. I heard it as my finger was on the broadcast button. I heard a bing. What is this? What's going on here? A Microsoft update? No, I didn't approve a Microsoft update. No. And then I start the broadcasting software. I'm standing here, or sitting here looking at myself upside down. I'm like, oh, yeah. No. Nah. He got me again. because I'm talking about Microsoft tonight, I guess. I never approve the updates. I'm going to have to go in there and manually hack it so I don't get these updates, apparently. But it's okay. We have the whole show. You just aren't going to see my goofy face, so. Actually, that's a good thing. You don't need to see me. You need to see the videos and the articles I'm showing you, but do you really need to see old Jerry, old uh, Gerald Schmimmins? No, you don't. So we're going to be okay. The show must go on. You know, we have a software engineer that I can call, but I would have to put off the show, and I'm not going to. I was literally, this isn't about checks because everything was working right. My finger was on the button, and then pfft, like, well, I'm going to do a show. I'm going to do a show. If, you know, <laughs> it's kind of like, um, who is that one guy? We'll do it live. It's okay. I'd like to thank our executive producers. Our executive producer for the show is Lady Lisa. Thank you very much. Everybody thank her. If it wasn't for her, I would not be here today. Even though you don't see my face like I'm not here, I would not be able to do this i'd also like to thank our producer djo if you're interested in becoming an executive producer for this show and all the money goes to our radio license to keep us on the air you guys said you wanted a radio station you guys said that you wanted to play what you wanted it to play with minimal commercials you guys said that you guys said that we put out a poll of what kind of music you wanted to hear we put thousands of dollars in it to get the kind of music you wanted to hear. We went by that specific formula. If you look on our community page, that is what we did. Where are you? The radio station is now active. We have an app. By the way, if you're in the chat room right now, here, please, just give me some time here. We're about to start talking about Idaho 4. But look, there's an app for the Android store. It has our, our radio station 24 hours a day, seven days a week. 
That is for you. It's free. All right. Also, there is a Alexa, Alexa skill that is also free. Just tell it to install it, and uh, it'll welcome you to Midnight Radio. Say, launch Midnight Radio. Alexa, launch Midnight Radio. See, it's that simple. How many times did I do it? All right, here we go. If you'd like to become, a, if you'd like to donate to help keep our radio station on there, your radio station, then any any amount helps a lot because all of it goes directly to that. But if it's over, if it's twenty dollars or more, you become an executive producer of this show. This is how we do it. All right, let's talk about Coburger because I just feel like I want to give you guys something to, a little something to talk about, a little something to look at here. If you want to call in tonight, we're going to open up the phone lines in the second half of the show. But if you want to call in before we get there, you can go ahead and do that. Leave us a voicemail message, 325-261-0892. 325-261-0892. Now, this next story kind of goes into the financial aspects of our, our world economy I'm about to talk about and how we have news stations that are they're all interconnected they're part of the same company they really are and they're in dire straits right now they're they are for a story so anything they can do and i you see the same thing on youtube if they can take a new story put a new thumbnail and act like present it in a different way just so they can talk about something well they think that that's what the masses will listen to then well here we go Searing new insights into bright, searing new insights. Like two cheeks on a frying pan, searing new insights into Brian Kohlberger's jail life. As told to Daily Mail by his fellow inmates. He obsesses over TV coverage of his own case. He's turned to God and faces constant taunts from other prisoners. Uh, He attends Mass every Sunday. That's what the sources say. They spoke with current and former inmates as well as jail sources to discuss Colberger's time at the jail. Now, there's nothing you're going to hear in the story that someone couldn't have made up and had it be just as accurate as. I'm not saying it was made up, but I'm just follow me here. Among the revelations are that Colberger gets daytime access to a television and likes to flip on the news to follow coverage of his own case. No doubt he's probably an Ashley Banfield fan. He watches himself all the time. It's really kind of bizarre. The accused quadruple murderer. Look at that sentence. It's all about the words, isn't it? The accused quadruple murderer. He's not a quadruple murderer, actually. He's accused of being a quadruple murderer. But they they said it right there, right? He's been locked up without bail. At the Lataw County Jail since early January, he steps out of his cell around 7 p.m. on Sundays to meet with a local pastor who leads him in prayer. You know, that doesn't necessarily mean he's religious, does it? Doesn't that just mean that, well, it's time that he can take out of his cell if he acts like he is? Perhaps I play devil's advocate a bit too well sometimes. He sits down with his pastor, receives his own private mass. A source inside the jail said, it's just the two of them, and no, I have no idea what they might talk about. 
They say he's been a model prisoner. He receives taunts from inmates who oft, sometimes shout at him as he shuffles past them uh, their cells. You know, one of my favorite parts is coming up here. So, I mean, there are some bright parts of the story for me. When one inmate named Tyson hollered, B-I-T to the H at the accused murderer during a recent weekday, Kilberger barely flinched, turned toward him with a menacing stare without breaking stride as he proceeded down the hall, according to one inmate who watched it happen. He always has the same expression or non-expression, said one inmate, who met with Daily Mail in the jail. He just looked straight ahead. So, I mean, you can uh, see if the Daily Mail reporter actually went to the jail. So, again, these are things that anybody could have made up. He just looked straight ahead. I've never even seen his eyebrows or mouth move. How the hell would you see his eyebrows? He never says anything. Cole Berger spends most of his time alone in a private cell, kept apart from the other inmates who share cells. He rarely, if ever, chats with jailmates who typically only see him when he walks past them. They say he maintains a steely stare when he steps out to meet his lawyers or to visit the library, the library, the library, and that he always is flanked by several correction officers who escort him wherever he goes. Have any of you guys already read this? I wonder if they try to smack him in the cheeks, you know, with the rolled up towel as he goes by. They don't talk about that. There's got to be more to the story. Basically, you know, this, you know what, this, um, this is hard to see right here. This boarded up house, and I know horrible things happen there. I really know. I know it did, but, man, just seeing, seeing the windows boarded up like that, and it's so lifeless and desolate. It's only like a mo- monument to itself right now, I think. I mean, I know it needs to go down. I don't disagree, but... Police arrested Colberger, PSG. Yeah, they're going back into what happened. He's been held without bail in Moscow since January 4th. And this is an inmate right here. Nine pictures. Okay, we're going to hit view gallery, see what we got. I hope he gets a death penalty, inmate Har- Harrison Papillion said. I'd be shocked if he didn't. The fine, upstanding gentleman right here. One official said, and they keep saying the same thing over. Don't worry, I got some Banfield coming up. I know you were wondering. Maybe I should just put a picture of myself up while I talk. Let me see what these nine pictures are. All new pictures. I guess this is a picture of the outside of the jail, in case you're wondering. Oh, there you go. Oh. What does this escape button do? All right. I can't get, get rid of this now. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Go back. Let's get back to uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. What's Brian Koberger. Oh, let's get, okay. Are you ready now, Ashley? All right. Okay. I guess uh, here we go. Ashley's ready. Ashley Banfield, your girl. Ashley Banfield, everybody. She's going to go back to Brian. Let's get back to uh, 
Bryan, in the Latak County Jail, because the Daily Mail has some great sources, and so do we, talking about what jail is like and what the inmates are like. I will say this. What's the difference between Ashley Banfield and Daily Mail? Daily Mail just revealed their sources. Ashley never does. Not once. Never. And what they think of Koberger and what he does when they abuse him verbally. I want to go right to our senior national correspondent, Brian Enton, who's standing by live. He's been covering this story from the beginning. You know, I guess, Brian, we expected some of the reports um, of what those inmates thought of him. But to hear it articulated is a whole other kettle of fish. Talk Not to really. me about some of the reporting that, that we've been getting on, um, on Koberger's life behind bars so far. Well, it's interesting, Ashley. Our sources have confirmed, and you mentioned it, that Koberger is going to mass every Sunday inside uh, the Latah County Jail. And you'll remember, um, this isn't a big jail. Their source is reading the Daily Mail. At all. It's very, very small. It's in the basement of the court. If you're currently in jail with, or have been in jail with Brian Nothingberg, you can call in 325-261-0892. If you've not been in jail with Brian Kohlberger, but you want to act like you call into a radio show and act like you have been, the phone number is still 326-0892. If you want to pretend you're a My Little Pony and only eat birthday cake, you can still call that phone number, 325-261-0892. If you think you were formerly a president of the United States, or a venerable saint. The phone number is 325-261-0892. Courthouse building right below uh, the courtroom. So apparently he is given the opportunity uh, to go to mass on Sundays. I've not heard about him being especially religious um, in the past, but apparently he does have this, this mass that he attends. He has conversations there. Um, with the priest, what he's talking about, we don't know, but but we've confirmed that he is going to uh, to mass. There are other reports um, that you know he's in the cell by himself. Uh, anytime he leaves the cell, he has at least two guards with him. There are moments where he walks by other cells where they yell out at him, but we are told that he just remains totally stone cold, looking forward, no emotion uh, when other inmates yell out at him, which which really is no surprise based on based on what we already know about Coburg. Ashley. Yeah, some of, some of those inmates uh, interviewed have said that they couldn't believe they were in there locked up with him because they said this is Moscow. Not what in the world, man? They got this from the Daily Mail. Would it be better if I had somebody on here? Maybe I could fake the voice since our cameras aren't working tonight. Hey, back. Let me do a different voice. Hey, my um, cold voice. Hey, Jerry, I was down there and they were saying that Kohlberger, he goes to mass and he's not even Catholic. A lot of this kind of stuff happens here. Uh, it, one inmate was was quoted saying this. He watches himself all the time. It's really kind of bizarre. So he's watching people, watching him, looking back at him on the screen. He's interesting. This is like. That reference to the fact that he's watching coverage. They're talking about, they're putting out coverage saying the Kohlberger is watching it and then doing coverage about Kohlberger watching the coverage. This is sad. This is very sad. It's almost as bad as me. Not quite. Of himself on television. And here's the weird part, Brian. We're told that the jailer decides one channel 
One channel is what the entire jail gets. So if the other inmates are over in, uh, you know, like a rec room together watching their single television, he has to watch the same thing, but he has to watch it in his own cell. But the other inmates, who some of them say, we're just 30 feet away from him, they know, for some reason, they know when he's sitting there consuming his own press. It's just sort of a fascinating concept. Yeah, and I'm sure they can hear it. I mean, again, it's a very, very, very small jail. Uh, apparently, with the other inmates, they are all brought into sort of like a group room. You mentioned it where they watch TV together, but Koberger totally isolated, but just down the way. Uh, so he has the TV to himself uh, in his cell. So here's another quote. Um, he apparently has been taking a lot of taunts from the other prisoners, but the jailers said that he is still a model prisoner, even when they taunt him and they call him names. This is what the other uh, inmate said. He rarely... It's funny the way she's saying that. He's a model prisoner, even if they taunt him and call him names and don't let him play any of the prisoner games. Listen to her voice, so it's like really high and nasally right now. I don't know why. ...has been taking a lot of taunts from... The other prisoners but the jailers said that he is still a model prisoner even when they taunt him and they call him names they taunt him and call him names this is what the other uh inmate said he rarely talks quote he that, actually, always guys. has the same expression He's or non-expression quote he just looks straight ahead i've never ever seen his eyebrows or his mouth move he never says anything and then we can also confirm that he is allowed to make calls out. He can't receive the calls. And if he gets a call, they will pass him. The jailers will pass him a note. And then he has the option to call or FaceTime him back. And FaceTiming, Brian, is something that has really irked, I think, a lot of the victims' families. They've said FaceTime. I, what? An inmate gets to FaceTime? We don't even get, you know, to write letters to, to our loved ones. Yeah, I can about, imagine actually. why that would be um, frustrating and hard to hear when, when you lost a loved one. Uh, but, but I'm not surprised about him not really having emotions, not even raising an eyebrow when people yell out at him. You know, we've seen him out, uh, you know, when he's been transported in Pennsylvania outside, just totally stone cold. When he's brought... All right, let's examine this. And I would show you my face, but there's I have no face. <clears throat> if it makes you feel better. I'm, I'm the blue sunbeam on the left side there. So... If, if, I used my accent there, didn't I? If he has no emotions, the hell would you want to go out of your way to murder people? Out of your damn way. There's got to be a reason. There's not a, it's not a lack of emotion. It's a lack of empathy. You know, you could kick him in the man pebbles and he's going to be upset. You know what I mean? He's like, but if it's something that has to do with the feelings of others, then there's where the issue lies. It has nothing, not a thing to do with emotions. You got, and also, and I've seen, I've, I've read about this before because before this started, I just finished reading the Ted Bundy book by Ann, uh, Ann Rule. And she was talking about how he did have emotions, but his emotions were for physical things. Like he had a lot of emotions about a bike and he was reminiscing to her about a bike, how he found, this is at when, he, we're talking about Ted Bundy, this is when he was in Florida, and he was on the run, and he had some money that he had stolen, 
So he, he was living down there and he found this bike and he fixed it and he was using that bike and, uh, he had emotions about fixing that bike and a sense of ownership for physical things. So it's not about emotions. It's about feeling empathy towards others, realizing that there are people with emotions. That is where the issue is not emotions. Got into court, same exact thing. Um, and so it doesn't surprise me that that's the way he's acting also uh, behind bars. And we've heard the same thing that, you know, in many ways he is, you know, sort of a model prisoner, um, you know, courteous with the guards, doesn't really cause any trouble, mostly keeps to himself uh, in his cell. Besides what we've also confirmed tonight, that he is now going to a private mass uh, on Sundays. Like They confirmed. They just read the article. Like I said, all the prisoners I've interacted with in this line of work, I would say the majority of them find God because it's that and if you're lucky, yoga. But you really don't get a whole lot of other activities, you know, um, in, in jail or in prison. I have been told, though, he does get some library time as well. So maybe he's working on his case. Who knows? Brian Anton, great job. Thank you for that. Thank you, Brian. That was fantastic. Back to your buddy, Jerry. Oh, wait, I'm not alive. Just my voice. I'm disemboweled. Nearly 11. All right. Hold on. Let's go to the next story here. I'm trying to remember what it is. Hold on. Here, take. Uh, oh, man. This is a story about a Dallas mom whose 13-year-old went missing but then was found from Dallas to South Carolina. Did you guys hear about this? 100 miles from Dallas in Lexington, North Carolina. It was very stressful and scary. Inside this locked shed. Heartbroken, very scared for her life. Police found this mom's 13-year-old daughter missing since March 1st, abducted and sexually assaulted, police say, by this man, 34-year-old Jorge Camacho. We're hopeful to see her again, and thank God that was the case. The teen last seen at these apartments in Dallas. Her mother, who we're just calling Estella to protect the teen's identity, immediately knew something was wrong when her daughter couldn't be found. My mind ran with all types of, God, where is she? But Estella knew her daughter was a gamer and decided to check her Discord, a popular messaging platform many in the oh, gaming community Lordy. used to chat with friends. In it, police and the FBI say they found messages from Camacho that were, quote, consistent with grooming and enticement. Oh, Estella my. tells us the teen met the 34-year-old while playing a game online. You know the risks, which we did talk a lot with her. Yeah. But, you know, this happened. It was something awful. After police matched Camacho's car with one seen in security footage in Dallas near the apartments, they found the teen locked inside the shed, which has a mattress, a TV, and cabinets. Like, that's where he stayed. Like, that was his place, like his room. Others who live on the property say the shed was where Camacho lived, his, quote, room. They also say they didn't know the teen was here. Didn't even, like, seem suspicious or anything, you know. I thought he was a pretty cool dude. Back in Dallas, Estella's daughter now home and safe. We're going to work together and get as much help as we can to grow stronger as a family. But a warning to other families about who your children talk to online. Oh, my goodness. So it's not that he was just holding her in the shed. He actually lived in the shed himself, with, which is just about as disturbing. I mean, we covered a story a couple days ago about a lady who whose life was taken from communications 
well, maybe more than communications. But the the relationship definitely started online. Uh, third case was a podcast, to be exact. In this case, and this happens a lot. I've got more stories like this tonight, so hold on. A missing 13-year-old girl from North Texas was found locked in a shed in North story. Carolina. Morgan Young is with us right now to talk more about this. Just a harrowing story that we're talking about here, Morgan, but I think we can all agree uh, a huge sigh of relief here in the community that she has been found. Well, Jason, definitely relief. That girl is back home with family tonight, and it was a joint effort by several law enforcement agencies to get her back home. She was found in Davidson County, just southwest of Greensboro. It's a long That's way away. Miles from wow. North Texas. Investigators say she was locked in a shed on this property in the city of Lexington. After she was rescued on Friday, she was taken to a hospital for treatment. According to North Carolina authorities, she met her alleged kidnapper, Jorge Camacho, online through a social media app, and he enticed her to leave home. Dallas police were able to find video cameras near the child's home that captured the suspect's vehicle that led them to the property in North Carolina. The sheriff of Davidson County has a message for all parents. Our message is going to be, um, please help us out. I'm very thankful. I thank God that we were able to find this young girl. Uh, it may not be that case forever, and, and what what uh, these children must go through. They don't think what they're, who they're talking to. Camacho faces several charges, including rape and indecent liberties with a child and felony human trafficking. Mm -hmm. Now, Jason, we are going to hear from the girl's family tonight at 10 o'clock. Um, I've been looking into the issue of human trafficking. We've done a lot of work in that space. And we, again, do not do these stories to scare you or make anyone feel, you know, overly emotional. But it can't be said enough how important it is for parents to help law enforcement like we heard. Just pay attention. Pay attention to everything. Mm -hmm. Nothing is small. Nothing yeah, is small. It's amazing how, as a parent, you can feel like you have done everything right, but you can't monitor your kid 24 hours a day. And thank goodness that video camera captured that image of that license plate. Otherwise, I think that's what we're all think thinking. They captured the license plate. Let me, let me move on here as the man behind the curtain... All Oz style over here. Let's take it to Florida, where in just a few weeks, the so-called suitcase murder trial gets underway. If you don't know what we're talking about, Sarah Boone is facing second-degree murder charges. Investigators say she stuffed her boyfriend, Jorge Torres Jr., into a suitcase during a game of hide-and-seek back in 2020. Even she, she even recorded his pleas for help on video as he died inside. Sarah. <laughs> You, Sarah. Sarah. Stupid. Sarah. This is my name. Don't wear it up. Sarah, I can't breathe, babe. Therapy. Yeah, that's when you do when you choke me. Wow, that is just horrifying. Uh, let's bring in criminal defense attorney and founder and senior partner of Nijame Law, Mark Nijame. Uh, sir, thank you for joining us. Good morning. So as a criminal defense attorney there in Florida, what is your reaction when you see that video of Sarah Boone basically ignoring her boyfriend's pleas for help? That's horrific, of course. And uh, the defense attorney has a tough road in front of him or her. But uh, there are some defenses to this, and the reality of it is is that they may be seeking a lesser charge. We've been charged with second-degree murder. And there is really a chance that they could be going for a manslaughter charge, which would have uh, far lesser penalties.
I heard that Susan A was going to actually go to this trial and covered. Is that still the case, Susan A? She's in chat right now. Well, she's claiming that he abused her, um, and we do have records that show that they have both been charged with battery on each other in the past. But is the battered partner defense here, is that a possibility? It's, uh, it is a possibility. It's a tough road for them to go through, though. Florida does record, recognize battered woman syndrome or battered spouse syndrome, I should say. It's typically the woman who's at, at the uh, who's the victim in these matters. And uh, but you have to really show that it's perpetual, that it's ongoing, that it's escalating. And so, as I understand it, there's been a back and forth. Each have filed restraining orders against the other. So um, it's going to be a tough road to go, and they're going to need experts to come in to show her psychological position. I heard that the state might have a tough case with her. Uh, one is because her lawyer has been so non-responsive. Another is, well, just listen to this. And that she really felt like killing was her only way out. And uh, not just for revenge, but it was really her only path to safety. And that's questionable in this case from the, the limited amount that we see right now. Uh, and as you said, that video is damning evidence. It is horrific evidence. Uh, she also said in her initial statement to police that she was drinking wine and that she went upstairs and fell asleep and she forgot about him, but she's there basically watching him die uh, is the way the video plays. And again, we and don't have all the context. It. We just have that video. She was um, laughing her butt off about it. open and shut when it comes to a prosecutor? Uh, no. no, nothing's ever open and shut in, in criminal cases. Remember, the burden is a great one, beyond a reasonable doubt. But I will say that involuntary intoxication is not a defense for any crime in Florida. So for her to claim that she was drunk and therefore she passed out, it's not a defense. It's going to be whether she was second-degree murder, whether she basically evinced a depraved mind and some of her comments back to him as he's gasping and, and, and pleading for help to open up that suitcase would, would be second-degree murder. The, the better case for uh, them to be arguing in great likelihood will be involuntary, involuntary manslaughter. And that would simply suggest that she had some sort of heat of the moment um, or uh, ne her negligence. She did fall asleep and therefore she didn't intend to kill him. She intended to, intended to bother him or, you know, um, you know, teach him a lesson and then she crashed. That would arguably go to involuntary manslaughter. Can have they asked her? Do you guys know? She, do you guys think she has a chance to actually plead negligence in this case? With no intent, but negligence, and that would be a far lesser penalty. That's capped at 15 years. Manslaughter could be life. So second degree is 15 years, and and manslaughter. Oh. Manslaughter is 15 year cap. Uh, second degree murder could be uh, up to life, and each of them have pretty much of a minimum. Whereas you're looking at about 17 years minimum on a, on a second-degree murder if the judge showed much mercy and about nine and a half years on a manslaughter. So the penalties are far less, and that might be the way to go. Um, you, you go for an attempt to get an acquittal by realizing you're giving the jury an option uh, if you're a defense lawyer so they could come in for something less if they didn't want to go all the way and suggest that she had a, depra a depraved mind here. Thank you for watching. Go to News Nation. Wow, that was loud. Hello. Thank you. You're welcome. Let's go to the next story. Sarah Samsonite Boone. Her neck was tight, so she went to a chiropractor. This now her crazy. family wonders if she'll ever walk again. 
It's a miracle homecoming. Welcome home. Caitlyn Jensen is seeing her brand new home for the first time. Yeah, look at it. Her mom and brother gave her a grand tour of the home, custom built, so she can get everywhere in her wheelchair. There's a music room with a piano she can wheel right up to. Eight months ago, we would have not imagined that we'd be playing the piano right now. Caleb is amazed by his big sister's progress. Last June, the 29-year-old was paralyzed. And you won't believe how her family says it happened. They say it was a visit to a chiropractor for a routine neck adjustment that changed Caitlin's life forever. This 3D rendering shows what should happen during a neck adjustment. The chiropractor uses their hands to apply a sudden force to rotate or thrust the neck to pop a stubborn joint back into place. But Caitlin says things went horribly wrong. She heard a crunching and felt something crunching in her neck. Four arteries in her neck were ruptured. She suffered multiple strokes and cardiac arrest. Her mother, Darlene, was devastated. Oh Caitlin endured two months in the ICU, followed by grueling rehab. Right there, right there, right there. She has no ability to swallow. Her brother gives oh. her water and food through a tube in her stomach. Caitlin uses a letter board to talk. Oh I'm my definitely God. lucky to be alive. Now she's getting used to her new home in Savannah, Georgia. Everything is designed with you in mind. The oven is down low so that you can reach it. There's also a garden with raised flower beds. I love these. Caitlin's mom <laughs> says every day she's amazed by her daughter's fighting spirit and determination to walk again. She's an inspiration, absolutely bravest kid in the world. Yes, forward. Wow, she sure is. Caitlin's mother has now quit her job as an office manager so she can be her full-time caregiver. This is horrifying, guys. Here I am on the left. Oh my gosh. I was just about to get an appointment to see a chiropractor. Now I'm I'm really having some misgivings about that. And of course, they're not talking about the chiropractor, although they do have money for a new house, so it's making me think there's some kind of settlement and they're not going to talk about it anymore. Can you imagine? This is a new story. This is a real story. Can you imagine that happening to you or to someone you know? Holy Moses. Getting a little neck adjustment. But that makes me think that how much do we have to be thankful for every day? You know, all of a sudden you don't have the use of your body in a regular way. And now you're more thankful For every day you have of life. Former CIA officer and FBI special agent Tracy Walder is with us. She's been looking into the case. This is another really complicated case, right? All right. So this is another thing I want to talk about. And uh, you guys, I'm really going to rely on you guys for this conversation because we're going to, they're going to look at Lori Vallow here in a minute. And uh, I don't know if they even talk about Chad Daybell, but um, it kind of makes me also think about the Chris Watts case. And not just the real case. I mean, the way it was covered in YouTube. Because really, the Chris Watts case was open and shut. And it, it's not something that drug out for months and months. It was a matter of, really, I think, days. But perhaps it was contained within three weeks, so I'm not wrong. But definitely within, you know, just a few days. 
pretty soon he was confessing that he did it and how he did it. And it was very disturbing. And I'm not really going to go into all that, but the story lives on, on YouTube. And I, I was researching a little bit and I'm like, why, how? And there's the fact that he was saying that she had something, his wife had something to do with taking the daughter's life. And then all of a sudden he, he did a plea agreement so he wouldn't be put to death. And he said he did everything and told him how he did it. And people hang on to that. And also, you know, evidence of the character of his wife and the things that she put micro, um, the things that she put on Facebook, and they're putting a magnifying glass on everything she said. So regardless of what you believe about the Watts case, this is something was disturbing, looking about what people's different theories are. It's interesting, and I think it's something that, well, it's a new concept, really. And it's playing out with the Kohlberger case for sure, but the difference here is it's going from Kohlberger and it's going back up into the mainstream where before it just kept in onto YouTube because there are some other deaths that we can talk about later whether those will be included in these cases the former spouses of each of these people but in terms of the kids and the murder charges what type of evidence do prosecutors have well thank you for having me morning so you know they they really have several things um they have cell phone data um putting them in and around the scene of the crime they have text messages how are you a uh, Tracy Walder, everybody? She's also like uh, almost a coffin doffer. They're now professional spokespeople, apparently, where they'll ask them a question because of a job they used to have. I mean, former CIA and FBI special agent, what does she really have to do with this case? But let's listen. But the biggest problem that they have right now is that really most of the witnesses, as you mentioned before, are, are no longer with us. Um, we have Tammy, who has, you know, deceased really right around the time that the kids were reported missing. You have Alex, who also disappeared uh, right around the time that the kids were reported missing. And it looks to me like the defense is actually going to try to pin a lot of this actually on Alex Cox, um, who, who died about several weeks after. Alex Cox? Who the hell's that? Um, the kids were reported missing. And so I find this to be very interesting um, to see how it's going to go. And really the biggest interest to me is, is on the, the defense and what they're going to use. Right. It's I'm looking at the chat room right now. Somebody saying, uh oh, I just got here and heard what something good happens when we speak of that one. And someone's saying, oh, no, don't go down that dusty road. I know that's my point is all the evidence was laid out. Everything in a short span of time. We're not talking about some mystery that lasted for months and months, and yet there's so much that exists about the possibilities of everything that happened on on social media. That's that's the interest I have in it. It's going to be the someone else did it, and they're not here to defend themselves uh, argument, right, in this case. The other situation you've got is Lori Vallow and her mental competency. Um, that has been called into question multiple times leading up to this trial. How do you expect that to be a factor? 
So you're absolutely right. You know, there's several different types of defenses that can be used. There's actually found her ones, and one of them is mental illness. But it looks like the defense is not going to use that. They don't want that her mental health being brought in at trial. Um, and so what, like you said, that they're going to use before is that pinning it on someone else. And I think the reality is, is if she's convicted, um, her mental health status may be brought in at sentencing in terms of taking the death penalty off of the table. But it looks like they've been very clear and that they are not going to bring her mental health into the trial. Well, she has to stand by what she said. She said that her children were demons. So she's going to have to stick by that if she's, you know, saying she's not crazy and she did it for religious reasons. And it will not be playing a role in her defense. The other question that many may have as we start to learn more about what happened in this case and kind of remind ourselves and our viewers is you've got Chad Daybell and Lori Vallow. Now their cases have been severed. They'll be tried differently. Will the question be which one of them, according to prosecutors, killed the kids or was it both of them? That's right. Alex Cox is Lori Vallow's brother who killed her ex-husband and probably, yeah, that's true. That's right. I forgot about that. It's been such a long time. So I went over, it's been over a year. So I do think that that could be a question. Obviously it would have been better to have that it not severed, but she was unwilling to. Chad Daybell. He looks like a sparklets man. Doesn't he? Doesn't he look like someone that delivers water to your house? gave her right to a speedy trial and really Chad Dabo wanted more his attorneys wanted more time to go through that evidence and so they didn't really have a choice but to sever it I don't know if they're going to play one off of the other that could be good uh, for the prosecution in terms of deal cutting um, at this point so you know I think it's, it's good and bad you know it's fine for them to say this now and blame other people but these two are hiding and running from the police together and they were having a good time until they got caught, just saying. That they've decided to sever their case. I do think the prosecution probably had a better case if they had decided to try the two of them together. But I, I'm not certain that they're going to pin it on each other. They seem rather united um, in pinning it on the person who is no longer with us, Alex Cox. Culligan man. Um, who committed hey, Culligan man. Well, and we're on the heels of the Alec Murdoch murder trial, double murder trial in South Carolina. And the big lie in that case, will the lie in this case uh, be the factor for the jury? Because you had Lori and Chad both lie about the whereabouts of the kids early on. They were missing, and then they went off to Hawaii. How big of a component will that be to the trial and for prosecutors? You know, Marty, that is an excellent question and an excellent point. You know, I think in this case, that big lie that you mentioned, just in terms of lying about the whereabouts of their children, may not play as large of a factor. I think in the Murdoch case, as you mentioned, you had his voice on that Snapchat video, presumably four minutes before Maggie and Paul were killed. So I think that lie may play out a little bit differently here and that it's more circumstantial in nature rather than having, you know, their voice per se or a video of them per se. So I think it may play out a little bit differently, but I think that that's an excellent point. The other thing is seating a jury in this case. There has been a lot of publicity, certainly when it was happening and when the kids were missing and we were learning more about kind of the doomsday and cult-like aspects to this case. But a lot of time has passed. Do you think it will be as difficult now, a few years since the kids' bodies were found, to seat a jury who hasn't heard about this case? 
I do think that they're going to have a very hard time seating a jury, jury that hasn't heard about this case. It's been about four-ish years, and some of that was slowed down um, because of COVID, which is not necessarily anyone's fault. I think the issue here is you may not be able to seat a jury that has not heard of the case, but it's about finding a jury that's impartial. That's what's the most important thing here. So I think that's what's going to play out in the questioning of potential. Somebody said he looks like the late, great Chris Farley but I just think they're saying that because he has double chins. A Houston area woman says she was held captive for four years. Investigators say they had to pry bars off windows to get the woman out of the mobile home off West Green. This is all from this week, guys. Road and Grand Crossing Boulevard in the Greenpoint area. Three two Severe Rayford is live downtown outside the Harris County Jail where she spoke with the suspect's close friend, Severa. Keith and Segura is being held on $150,000 bond here at the jail. He is charged with kidnapping, but his friend told me this was no kidnapping and he was actually in a relationship with the woman. Neighbors off West Greens Road had their concerns. We did think it was weird because of how his house was set up, one neighbor told us. He used to tell my husband that he worked at night, so when we heard banging noises, we just assumed he was working. The Harris County Sheriff's Office says they received a call from the woman asking for help. Deputies say all exits to the home were locked and three guns were found inside. They say they also had to use power tools to get the woman out. Abraham Bravo Segura. During his first court appearance, the 42-year-old tried to plead his case. All right. Today, investigators telling us Segura and the woman were dating, and a missing persons report was never filed. All the thing that they're saying about him is not the same. A friend of Segura says she and her husband have been close friends with him for 20 years. The reason that he has the burglar bars and all that stuff that y'all have seen out there was because they tried to rob him, you know, before. They tried to get in his house before. So he's trying to protect her and protect himself, too. The judge also ruling that... All right, journalists, here's what you do. You ask her this. So you've known him for 20 years. Um, he said he had her, or she's saying that she was there for four years against her will. Have you seen her there before? Has he talked about her? Have you talked to him within the last four years? Segura have no contact with the victim. Um, as for Segura, he is not a U.S. citizen, so he is facing deportation to Mexico. Reporting live downtown, Sabir Rayford, KPRC 2 News. Thank you very much. Moving along to the next story. And welcome back to the Factor Uncensored. A this is the same story, but there's a little bit more info. With holding a woman captive inside a locked trailer for four years. Imagine that. Four years, 42-year-old Abraham Bravo Segura, you're looking at him there, in court Thursday on kidnapping charges. According to prosecutors, he kept a woman in a trailer on Greens Road. It's not like out in the rural parts of the county. It's right, in the, right at the edge of the city, just north of the city, on Greens Road in Greens Point Mall area. I went there today myself. Investigators say he had all exits locked 
and windows barred. He remains in jail with a $150,000 bond and is set to appear in court next week. He was in probable Victim cause of circumstance. There's some of the video of the community there. Joining me now to talk about this is Matilda Saragosa, who has helped women escape sex trafficking and other forms of bondage out there. Matilda, when you see, it's just my, this has bothered me all day when I saw this. How could a woman be in a community full of people and no one knows she is being held captive there? Obviously he had, and let's give him this, he had bars on the doors. He had uh, plywood on the doors. And he would come and go, but no one noticed that there was a woman locked in his house. Well, I was looking at the video and I was taking a look at the trailer. So it looked predominantly like a Hispanic um, community. And, you know, you have to understand from generation from generation to generation. And, and really quick, let me go ahead and answer that question. I went out there. It was all Hispanic. And, and I tried to talk to some people and no one spoke English. Okay. So from the onset, we're told generation through generation, mind your business, keep your mouth shut and don't ask for nothing. And that's just going to grandma's house. Right, so we're, we've, we're taught to turn a blind eye. So when things happen like this in our community, I mean, you have to factor in, they're afraid of uh, immigration statuses. There's the, the thought of, uh, I forgot what I was gonna say. <laughs> but I mean, it's like bringing attention on themselves. Absolutely. They if just... they uh, ring the alarm for someone who may be victimized, then you become also in the spotlight and they wanna know more about you. And then if you're not here, if you're undocumented. Correct. You have the fear factor, that you have the, 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 the thoughts that they want to come back. Then you look at what happens if you say something. Are you going to get in trouble for that? You know, are they going to come back and retaliate on you? You're told from the onset not to say anything. Mind your business. Turn a blind eye. Don't get involved. It's none of your business. So I'm sure he got away with it. And look where he was at. He was at an absolute perfect opportunity place to do this. Mm -hmm. So it works. And, and you would think this was... You know what? I've heard of this before, of course, keeping the women... Um, Locked up in your house in a Hispanic neighborhood. Didn't Castro in uh, Cleveland, he did the same thing in the same kind of neighborhood. Was a rural community where no one would even see his trailer. But there are like two, three hundred trailers back there. And it's and, and for you, many of you who live here in Houston, if you're on 45, right at the Beltway, uh, the North Beltway, and you get off on Greens Road, it is right there. And it's amazing because we do so much community outreach in that area. We're, I'm, it's right up under my nose, and I would have never known this was happening. Right. We're out there beating the streets, giving out information. If you see something, say something. We're training the hotels. We're talking about it to the community, and it just amazes me that this was right up under our nose. I live practically underneath them. And for those who are wondering exactly how did she get out, she was able to get her hands on a cell phone mm -hmm. for the first time probably in four years and call for help. Uh, but he had always told her, if you try to get out, I will kill you. Yeah. We heard from the prosecutors that called the Harris County District Attorney's Office today, and they said that she... in the I don't understand things like this. Maybe my mind is different. But it's not only that this woman is locked in his trailer for four years, but he has her locked in there with him. It's hard enough to live with a woman. Can you imagine how pissed off she would be if you had her locked up in there? Maybe maybe the men like this like that, and they're like, well, if you're going to act like that, then I'm going to be aggressive and mean. This is horrible. 
the beginning thought that was her boyfriend mm -hmm. and then it elevated into what we see today being held captive for four years but it's like matilda what you deal with every day like a prostitute on the street thinks a pimp is her boyfriend Correct. and it is not the case no they're they're conditioned to think those things you know they're coerced into believing that if you say something that i'm going to go back and hurt your family which is the case with him and then a lot of times you have these victims they trauma bond with their with their um aggressor they are uh, the person that's pimping them out they'll they'll bond with them thinking that that's the person that's supposed to take care of them if they leave them then they're doing something wrong right because they're conditioned they're told they're po they're coerced into saying hey keep this or 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 we're gonna have to kill your family and the harris county district attorney's office says that they are providing or she is getting uh the mental getting a mental evaluation and also yeah. getting the help that she needs it will take a lot of work to get over something absolutely. like this absolutely could you just imagine what she went through all them years being isolated alone with nobody to talk to and then having to come out that and then face all of reality all over again it's a whole learning process you have to retrain the brain and so that's what's going to happen they'll give her the evaluation she will see individual therapy and hopefully we can get her past this all right matilda thank you for joining us we'll see you in just a second yes. we have thank you matilda and purd hurdley from overnight, a neighbor says he noticed swarms of flies around a Northwest Harris worse. County home. Yeah, pretty disturbing here. So inside that home, deputies believe a man had been living with a corpse. By the way, these are all from this week. It's been three days. I, didn't, I haven't been collecting these for months. All right. For months, investigators say another man died by suicide when they entered the home located on Kill Winning near Keith Harrow last night. ABC 13's Rosie Wen has been talking with neighbors and joins us live. Rosie, pretty uh, disturbing details here. Yes, good morning, Jeff and Charlie. The neighbor who lives next door tells us it was him who placed the call for the welfare check. He says he knew something was wrong when he saw dozens of flies near the window facing his home. Deputies responded around 6.30 last night before making the gruesome discovery. They also saw a lot of flies and then noticed a bad odor coming from one end of the house. That prompted them to enter the house when they heard a gunshot and later found a 63-year-old man dead from a self-inflicted gunshot wound. They also found a 64-year-old man in another room who had been dead for several months and body was, quote, severely decomposing. So yesterday I was mowing the grass and then, uh, like I said, we were going beside the uh, house. I was going in the backyard and uh, I noticed a bunch of uh, flies that were, you know, above the normal size. So I told my wife about it. We come and looked at it and then, um, I finished mowing the grass and went over there and, and there were like three times as many flies that were in the, in the window. Right now, the relationship between those two men is unclear, but deputies say it appears that they were living together in that house. This must be a now, Texas thing. are still working on finding out Didn't the grass either. cause of that 64-year-old man. Meanwhile, we are waiting for the identification of those two men. Reporting live from Northwest Harris County, Rosie Wynn, ABC 13 Eyewitness News. This is all Texas, guys. All in Texas. All in Texas. I got some stuff in your neck of the woods, though. Just hold on. 
Minnesota father is facing second-degree murder charges tonight after bludgeoning a convicted sex offender with a moose antler. A man says that the sex offender had been stalking his small daughter in their community. We want to show you Levi Axtell, the 27-year-old. And this man is someone who took care of it before it happened. Father, and as far back as 2018, Axtell told police that 77 year old Lawrence V. Scully was stalking his 22 month old daughter at the time and other children in his van, parking it outside of her daycare. Now, he sought an order of protection from police. It was granted, but then dismissed weeks later. The sex offender was convicted of sexually assaulting a six year old girl, finishing him off with a moose antler. This bad in 1982. Well, this father allegedly began parking like it outside of her him. daycare. Now, he sought an order of protection from police. It was granted, but then dismissed weeks later. The sex offender was convicted of sexually assaulting a six-year-old girl and was released from prison for that in 1982. Well, this father allegedly drove to Scully's house, beat him with a shovel 15 to 20 times before, quote, finishing him off with a moose antler. This happened about two hours north of Duluth, and right after the murder, Axtell immediately drove himself to the police station, covered in blood, and turned himself in for the murder. We want to bring in former FBI Special Agent Jennifer Coffin-Doffer. No, not Coffin-Doffer, damn it. Thank you for having me, And first, Jennifer, just want to get your initial read on this case, and specifically premeditation here, because this father did not bring a gun to this man's house. The method of death, certainly unusual and gruesome. Any evidence of premeditation here, and how would this case likely play with a jury? Well, I certainly think a jury will be very sympathetic. Uh, this was a three-year-old little girl. Uh, this was somebody who stalked outside of this daycare, somebody who was indeed convicted of uh, molesting a six-year-old girl. And this will play well into uh, the chances of him uh, receiving a light sentence. Remember also, he turned himself in. He admitted to everything. Now, certainly, I am not excusing his actions, but I'm just saying that. I don't know. Do you guys, how do you guys feel about this? Do you guys think it's okay to do something like this? Do you think he'll get a light sentence? Maybe uh, he'll get manslaughter and only do about 12 years? What do you think? I want to hear about this. If somebody did this to my child, let me tell you what I would do. Here's, here's how we take care of it, Texas style. First of all, I'd strip the offender bug-ass naked. Second thing I would do is I would take one of my, my big oak tree out front of my house. I would strap him to it right about dawn, right? Uh, probably I would start strapping him there like 3 a.m. And, you know, I'm out in the middle of nowhere, so you can't, there's no neighbors to see what I'm doing here. So I'd make sure it's nice and cold first as he's buck naked. And then beautiful thing about my tree is I have these red ants that live right under the tree. Got a big old ant hole and it's so red. It almost looks like the ground is bleeding and the ants are moving, you know? Well, I would put him on that tree, strap him on there, take some honey, put on these old man pebbles and all around the area and, uh, make sure the ants, you know, get that honey. I bet they would love it. I bet they would love it, and I think that would take care of him. I don't know if I would kill him, though, but if they did, well, maybe. Maybe I'd have a robocall out after 20 hours to the police department. What would you guys do? How would you guys take care of it? 
I think this would send an important message that would reverberate all over the internet. And I got some wasp, but I would probably like to take a chunk out of his nards too. I'm going to open up the phone line. I want to know how you would take care of it. Fathers, I want to hear from you. Bronies, I want to hear from you. If you're in prison, I will take a message for you for DJ Hotham. I don't know if I have much to say to you, though. Phone line is now open. If you want to call in to Midnight Radio on the Midnight Caller line, the phone number is 325-261-0892. Typically, a person who commits a crime like this for these reasons is, receives a lighter sentence. And it does seem uh, that this father tried to involve police in 2018. We know that order of protection was filed against Scully after Axtell accused him of stalking and attempting to groom his daughter. Um, and that order initially granted and then dropped several weeks later. Is that a common thing? And what are some instances it where an order of protection common. like that would be dropped? Well, it's not common and it shouldn't have been dropped, particularly since this individual had been convicted. Uh, it's, it's really disturbing actually uh, that this well played into the actions then taken. Uh, if there, that order would have been kept, uh, perhaps this whole incident would not have happened. But it did happen and certainly he's going to have to pay a criminal price for his conduct. And seemingly he knew that and was willing to pay the price uh, to keep his daughter safe from this individual in his mind. And sex offenders uh, who have been released do live among us. They live in our communities. If a parent does not feel safe, they feel their child is being targeted, and let's say they even do file an order of protection and it's not enforceable for some reason, what more should a parent do? Well, what more they can do, and this is terrible to say, but you may have to move. You may have to put yourself out of those crosshairs if wow. you're not getting the proper support from law enforcement. Uh, I think we need stiffer sentences against convicted pedophiles, and I think that would help with the situation uh, because there is great recidivism with pedophiles. It is very hard for them to go back in society and not recommit the My question is, I'm looking at Coffin Doffer right now, and I see she's, it looks like she's at the edge of her, her family, her dining room right there, and it just makes me wonder why she wasn't in her den. And what is that I'm seeing? It's a clock in the back. I'm just wondering why she chose this angle, that's all same crime. As this case plays out, will it matter what was actually said, what the exchange that they had in that house before the murder took place looked like? And, you know, uh, is it a little bit disturbing to anybody? Is it a little bit disturbing to anybody? So they have the story of this sex offender and they have this man who, you know, took his life, the father of the daughter. And we're talking an infant, basically. So what does Koffendoffer have to do with this? So you're producing a show and they're like, well, what are we going to talk about? Well, we can't just talk about it like, you know, they do on YouTube where it just has somebody talking about it with their uh, people in chat. We're going to have to have someone posing as a uh, authority, you know, just talk back and forth, you know, ask, ask them questions. You'll know how they'll answer. We do have the detail that a neighbor heard screaming, but other than that, you know, doesn't the only, uh, only the father at this point know what actually transpired in that house? Well, that's exactly right. And he's probably already given some sort of statement. This man, by the fact that he looks, he this mugshot, this man looks happy. He's like, oh yeah. 
in there. He turned himself in. He was covered in blood. That's called the satisfied mugshot right there. He does. He looks satisfied. Blood. So he's already given a statement, and that's going to be the statement that is, he's going to be held to. Uh, so, Natasha, I don't think we're going to know exactly what words were said other than what he admits to. And Axtell had known Scully for a long time. Uh, we know he, he's currently charged with second-degree murder, facing potentially 40 years he behind He probably bars. warned him once. Due to the pair's history, could the charges change to first-degree or premeditated murder? I don't see those changing. I, I see a scenario where he went there to confront him and then uh, ended up bludgeoning him to death. I don't believe uh, from the reports that he took a pair of antlers with him. So therefore, Natasha, I think this will stay at second degree murder. All right, Jennifer Koffendoffer, always appreciate uh, the context and time. Thank you so much. Some of you guys are asking, Jerry, why aren't we seeing you? Because right before I went to live, yet again, I got hit with a Microsoft update that knocked my camera out. I think I'm, actually, you want to see my camera? You want to see my face? All right, I can show you my face. I think. Maybe. See, here I am. What's going on? Hey, everybody. Is this better? You want, you want to see me like this? I'm dizzy. My hat's about to fall off. It's crazy, isn't it? Crazy, I tell you. Crazy. It's craziness. Microsoft. That's all right. All right, I'm going to start with this. Guys, I don't know if you've seen this or not, but, I mean, the economy's going wacko out there. I tried to warn you guys about it when I knew of my impending layoff, and I knew it because, uh, and I know more. I'll tell you as right before it happens, just so you know, I know. I was having a conversation with this businessman and my my employer is one of the richest men in America and they were uh, planning on closing down a place that had been open for 200 years. And then I found out why. And I found out it was going to hit other sectors and I found out why. Because... They're trying to consolidate right now. A lot of these businesses, these big businesses want to consolidate. And one of the reasons this is happening is because what happened to the way, what happened because of the way the pandemic, the pandemic was handled, not because of the pandemic, but the way it was initially handled. All right. And because of. Yeah, just because of the way it was handled. Let's put it that way. Um, I was going to do a simulcast tonight where I was going to broadcast here on YouTube and a second stream to my website to where if I got caught off by YouTube, you just go to my website or the tune in the radio and you'd hear everything. All right, let me just go ahead and play this and we're going to get into the nuts and bolts and let you know how scary the things that are about to happen are. And now for some news about NPR itself. NPR announced a major restructuring today and revealed it's about to lay off about 10% of the workforce. Our CEO, John Lansing, cited a drop of $30 million in projected advertising revenues. NPR media correspondent David Folkenflick joins me. And David, it's always a pleasure to talk to you, but uh, this is a tough day, as you know, here at NPR. 
Yeah, look, it's uh, it's uh, it's a real loss, as John Lansing said uh, uh, in a memo to staff. I've been here over 18 years. It's the toughest cuts I've seen. It's probably the toughest since the early 80s. Uh, what we know is not a lot, except about the extent of it. Uh, and what John Lansing said to me was that uh, it would not be uniform across. He wasn't just going to take a, a hatchet and do the same across all divisions. He wants to be uh, strategic and thoughtful about how it's done. Uh, but, you know, this is necessarily going to be us doing not only less with less, but reconfiguring how we do it. Uh, he said that this is going to be uh, really the focus of how NPR restructures it. Oh, oh, oh. Let me tell you what's happening because they're not being clear. NPR becomes the latest media outlet to cut jobs. They're cutting, what, 10% of their workforce on NPR. But did you know they'd recently just started having more people on NPR? So there's that. This is happening to all the media. You're about to hear, and I think I do have a report about CNN, you're about to hear about this happening to all the media right now. So you're going to see the the quality of the shows changing, or what they called quality, the way they do them. They're probably going to make them look a lot more like YouTube. So I know you guys have noticed it, and you thought it was because of Idaho 4, but it's not. It's because of consolidation of the mainstream media. Now, I really think that you're probably going to see some of these places go out of business also. But we're going to go more into that theory here as I have all these other stories about what's happening to these folks. Or restructures itself in a significant way. Now, what does that actually mean when he says he wants to be thoughtful? He doesn't think this will be uniform across divisions. Can you decipher what he's actually envisioning? We don't know. We don't. Uh, what we do know is three three different kinds of strategic uh, priorities he's placing on it. If you pack them together, some some people are asking Jerry, "Why are you up?" I got the upside down flu. Is what happened. It was given to me by Microsoft. They're cutting. They're cutting like ten thousand out of their workforce. And apparently, there's some guy that's in charge of our our cameras that they don't go uh, up like this. Pack them together. Uh, I'm just going to sit here and see if anybody notices. Talked about NPR's North Star, and that is that both as a sense of mission and a sense of purpose, uh, and also as a business proposition, NPR has to deepen and broaden its audience to you know seek younger uh, and more diverse uh, audience base, and that that's the way in which he sees uh, building for the future. And he said that since he arrived in the fall of 2019. He's also talked about unifying its news. Yes, he's a great man. He's a hell of a Oh, unifying, you mean consolidating? Talked about unifying its newsroom with its programming side. The programming is where so much growth has happened lately, particularly in the podcasting division. But these... Yeah. So you're going here's, to... Here's what kind of journalists you're going to have. Kind of like me, but not like me at all. You're going to have uh, trained journalists at home in their little offices doing these reports with other groups is what you're going to have. You're not going to have offices at all. Because they're able to get more with less out of you. And NPR, just so you guys know, it, it doesn't pay very well anyway. I'd never work for them. They couldn't afford me. 
interesting division. But these divisions in some ways are artificial. A lot of our colleagues uh, doing journalism are doing so under the rubric of podcasting, but it's still really See? part of a greater journalistic function. Oh, sure. yes. uh, and so there's that. And he says, you know, this was part of a, a strategic element uh, uh, beyond where he wants to integrate uh, NPR more fully with its stations, integrate both in terms of what we do content-wise, but in terms of raising money and distributing our content online. Okay, so 10% of the workforce, that's going to add up to about 100 jobs. As we know, NPR is not alone here. There are a whole lot of media companies in a budget crunch. How does this news today from our newsroom? All right, let me tell you how NPR works. Um, they say 10% is only about 100 jobs. So what is that, like 1,000 workers? But that's just the main NPR. They have a lot of affiliates. These affiliates that they have sh- uh, shows for are like contractors. They're going to be kicking people out too. This is going to be a lot more than 10%. Go to full screen chat. Oh, that might work. So Yeah, but I could go to full screen chat, but... I have more stuff to show you guys, so that won't work. You guys don't want full screen chat. No, 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 no. Fit in with a broader picture of I've our got more industry. stories coming up. It's been a real crunch. You saw hundreds of layoffs at CNN. They killed their projected streaming service called CNN Plus. You saw 7% cuts at Vox Media, 6% at Spotify uh, and at Gannett. And you saw uh, these huge cuts at these huge other places, at Google, Meta, uh, uh, Amazon, Microsoft, that also rely on advertising uh, dollars. It's Why? one of the first place uh, corporate executives cut when they fear the economy going soft as they have lately, even it's not going soft. It's going limp. Unemployment remains very low. Uh, is NPR media correspondent David Folkenflick. And David, thank you for reporting on NPR just as you would any other media company. You bet. All right. Good job, David Folkenflick. We'll Folkenflick you. All right. Here we go. Boing, look at my chicken. So juicy. So tender. Tyson Foods to lay off. This is from today. Tyson Foods to lay off seventeen hundred workers. Closed two chicken plants. We also have the layoff in other sectors. We have the the layoff in the what do you call it? The Silicon Valley, and we have lay, layoff in the factories and the actual production. You thought you guys couldn't find stuff on the shelves now, and they act like well, it's not true. There's products I can't buy. Sriracha, everybody. Where I'm at. They will close two chicken plants in May as part of a plan to strengthen its poultry business. In its latest quarter, the meat giant said its chicken business underperformed expectations because people couldn't afford it. Other, and the price went up. Other food suppliers, including PepsiCo and Beyond Meat, have laid off workers in recent months to cut costs. Beyond Meat went out of business because no one wants to eat that crap. And the plants are, while the decision was not easy, it reflects our broader strategy to strengthen our poultry business by optimizing operations and utilizing full available capacity of each plant. Forget the people. You know, this is bull crap, by the way. Um, I knew about what was happening to the economy, and uh, they did too, and they knew what they were going to do way earlier than this it's not because of that quarter's operation they knew it these rich people in these companies knew it the 
The uh, Glen Allen plant has 692 employees, while the Van Buren facility has 969 workers. Let me tell you what happens when a plant like this shuts down. Most of these people are living there in these uh, jobs that don't pay that much, by the way. They might be might cap off at like 15 to $16 an hour. And they live in there because they have family they need to take care of from the area. There's a point right before... You have parents that can go in a nursing home that you have to take care of them and help them with their freedom. What are you going to do? Just move away? No, you take a job like this. You put your nose to the grindstone. This is what really pumps the life into America is people that are willing to be the stability for these families. So what are gonna, what's going to happen? We're talking about massive instability that is sweeping across America. Did you know? That, let's see, what do you call it? I don't want to say welfare. Social security, social security. Did you know when social security started? It happened at the depression. It happened right after the depression because the people that were hit the hardest in the depression, because families had to go off and move to find jobs. It's just what they had to do. It hit the infirm, and it hit old people, retirees, worse than anybody. And that is what is about to happen again. There were old people dying in massive numbers. You don't hear this in mainstream history, but they were piling up with zero food, and their families were gone. Their families were gone seeking jobs. And this is what we're looking at right now, and it's not being reported, but... Put a pin in what I'm saying, and you're going to see this happening. And you're also going to see a lot of murder suicides. Whether it be the mother that uh, took care of her family uh, a few shows ago, or the father that does it to a family of eight, or a mother with a family of seven. You're going to continue to see this play out. You're also going to see a lot of these a lot of rich people who are the heads of these companies commit suicide because when it comes to the point when there's no money, like these bank runs, which are happening, and I'm talking about our weeks, guys, and days, when you're going to start seeing these guys take their own lives because they've been lying for years, and they were free to do that as long as people didn't want their money out of the bank. Well, guess what? How many of these people put really risky investments in, I don't know, let's say Bitcoin and stuff like that, where there's massive amounts of money missing and it won't show up until someone says, Hey, where's the money? Like Alex Murdoch, his wife is like, Hey, where's the money? Want a divorce? What's going to happen? You're going to see families murdered, people murdered, and you are going to see massive, massive fraud in these major companies. Let me continue here to show you the beginning of all this. And I'm not joking and I'm not being alarmist. And I'm not going to talk about this every night, but I'm going to bring it to you once. You get once, and you get once only. And I did this like six, or what, four, five months ago? I just barely talked about it. I'm talking about it again. Facebook parent Meta plans to lay off another 10,000 employees. And really, that's it. They announced this on Tuesday. They said in November that it was eliminating approximately 13% of its workforce 
or 11,000 jobs. Now, what is going to happen to these people? They're, they're just going to go to another industry? Uh, are they going to still work for Silicon Valley? No. They're all laying off. Wait till you see what's about to happen to YouTube. And let me tell you this. Here's a prediction for you. I really don't think the Democratic Party is going to win again. And that's neither here nor there. But just the fact, what is going to happen to YouTube who is limiting free speech about the dangers of the vaccines and other things on their platform? What is going to happen to them when you have another party that wants their blood for breaking uh, constitutional laws? What is going to happen? Well, I'll tell you what's going to happen. They are preparing for it. YouTube is going about to start a massive layoff. I've said this before. I'm saying it again. They've already laid off some. And that was after I said it. So, yeah. There was a lot of activists. It was a, an activist organization. If anybody was against their political party, of which I am not a member of any, so I can say this, if you were against their political party with something that you said, they hammered you on it, and now they're going to get hammered like you guys haven't seen before. But who's really getting hammered? Us, the people that produce on YouTube, the people that watch YouTube, because if you thought them directly going after your freedom of speech before, or you felt that they were, wait till now it's going to get worse. It's about to get worse. That's why the CEO of YouTube left. They know it's about to happen. What is going to happen in November, in the lead up to November? How can everything be failing like this and the Democratic Party just go back into power? I don't see it happening. I do not see it happening. But hey, I'm not the only one that doesn't see it happening. Andrew Yang warns of mass layoffs, but he's calling for government intervention after the Silicon Valley bank collapse. I say government intervention is the one that made it so bad, but let's see what he says, because he's an entrepreneur, and he grabbed national attention for his 2020 White House run and his 2021 New York City mayoral run. Didn't work out for him. I don't know if he's wearing a chicken suit or something like that. I don't know why he got attention for being a loser. But he urged government intervention following the Silicon Valley Bank collapse, SB, SVB, literally the Silicon Valley Bank, warning of potential mass laughs in the near future and a financial uh, contagion. Let's see. I wish I had the video of this, but in the balance of some kind of action, you'll see thousands of mass layoffs in defunct companies, a wipe-out generation of startups. He urged the, the California government or the U.S. Treasury Department to intervene to prevent series of calamities. This is not just about Silicon Valley at all. It's not. Look at your 401ks today as opposed to yesterday. Have you, have you seen it? It's to prevent a series of calamities that would likely affect thousands of companies and individuals through no fault of their own. It doesn't matter. I think either California or the Treasury Department should backstop Silicon Valley Bank. Thousands of companies will fold or lay people off next week because of lack of access to accounts through no faults of their own. Yang argued that the collapse was not SBV client's fault, but the managers of the previously esteemed bank. 
they knew about this, guys. Uh, they really did. I knew about it, so I know they knew about it. Take the equity and fire the managers, Yang stated. That's a big difference between irresponsible bank managers and the thousands of customers and entrepreneurs and employees who chose to use a bank. It was one of the biggest banks in the century. So, one of the biggest banks in the country. So, what happens to you guys? What happens to little guys? Well, here's what happens. You get laid off. Some of you are probably going to get laid off. And your retirement, the money that you had in there that you'd been having to give, is going to be decreased because the value of the economy goes down. So what does that mean for you? And what does that mean for them? Well, they're going to swoop up and buy all the houses like they've been doing. Remember the World Economic Forum. I don't have the clip today, but it's not a it's not a conspiracy theory or anything. I don't believe in that crap. I believe in hard reality. And, hey, look, the banks are failing. Hey, look, it's not just one layoff or two layoff. It's a handful. I'll take some M&Ms, throw them on the wall, and every place there's a colored dot is a layoff. It's not a conspiracy. The World Economic Forum says their goal, one of their goals of the future is you're going to own nothing and be happy. This is a part of what they're going to do with this consolidation. And also, it's going to be a knockback on your freedom. Put a pin in that. Ford announces layoffs of 1,100 employees. Really? From? Hold on. Here, take a look at me upside. Here, just take look at the sun. Look at the earth. From Spain. All right? This is not just America. This is far-reaching, guys. Far-reaching. Um, God. I'm trying to tell you as much as I can let you know. I can't tell you everything I know. I mean, this sounds like I'm a jerk. But I can't because, first of all, you wouldn't believe me. Everybody would run, oh, you jerk. You're, you're a liar. One of my favorite comments I get, your thumbnail was a clickbait. And I don't want this to seem clickbaity, but um, I'll just let you know. I'll let you know a couple months beforehand, all right? And I can't have my platform taken away because I have my own website. And I can broadcast video on there anytime I want. Also, my own radio station, guys. Matter of fact, for you guys listening right now and you want this kind of information, hey, okay, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to put a poll up, and we're going to live or die by that poll. Because I don't want to waste my time. I will tell you this. Hello, Joan of Art. My shell art. Haven't seen you in a while. Where have you been? I've been waiting for you. I'm going to ask you a question in the poll. Do you want me to report on info like this again? All right, yes or no. I know if you're watching right now, you know what I'm talking about. And I'm talking about the financial info here. I'm talking about, it's not politics, but it's more like a world political system to get done what they're going to get done. Because I know some information I can tell you. I'll ask if you want it or not. So if you guys don't want it, I won't deliver it to you again. All right, because I don't need to give it out on YouTube. 
I can give it right to Spotify and those people that listen to the podcasts, or better yet, I'll just give it to the people that are members. So if you don't have a membership, you might want to think about that. I think the cheapest you can get one is four ninety nine, and you can be on our Discord, and I'm definitely going to be giving you guys the information early because I've got more, and I can tell you more there than I can just release on YouTube and have everybody think that I'm a Fruit Loop, which I am anyway. Right? I'm just a Fruit Loop. All right, so I come from a background of working in the car industry. I worked for a Japanese electronic car manufacturing facility, and what they did was made car parts, you know, electronic car parts, you know, the modules, the brains that control. So I have connections in that industry. I no longer work for them, but I have connections in that industry, and I was talking to them yesterday, and they were having unprecedented growth until the pandemic hit. And then things changed because the company was hyper-cautious, you know, understandable. Especially if, if it's, it's, it's a Japanese car manufacturing company in America. So they're super um, careful. Because they don't want to cause an international incident or anything like that. They're always good. They were always good like that. But because of, you know, the halt in production for a while and the chip shortage... It increased the production, and they were working them to death. They were working like seven days a week. And then, you know, it appears that there were certain programs in the United States, in the world, uh, but I'll say the United States, that started bankrupting everybody. And one is the push for electronic vehicles and the cut in oil production and the shortage of the chips. So that made... That put a major, and I shouldn't be telling you guys this. I shouldn't. Matter of fact, let me look at that poll. Maybe I won't. See if you guys are tracking with me. All right. 95% of you guys said yes, but only 20 of you guys voted. How many guys are watching? How many of you guys are watching? I mean, just out of my curiosity. And if you want to be on Discord, you have to be at the Midnighter level. My shell art, thank you very much. All right, so right now, I asked this person, I go, so is production still ramped up like crazy? He's like, not so much anymore. And they told me everything that happened. I'm like, my God, you guys are about to see massive layoffs in the car manufacturing uh, and they're going to peel it back and go back from being EV. They have to. They don't have the resources to build these cars. They can want, but they can't do it. Um, you're going to see major things that are happening, and all the banks are investing in this stuff too. And not only that, but uh, the government is burning money. I mean, you know, you've heard that before. I mean, the government's burning money, blah, blah, blah. But no, they have, they've cut the oil, the ability to produce oil because they stopped drilling in Alaska is one of the things and there's pipelines and different things like that. Well, they stopped that, which by the way, Biden signed a bill to start that up again. Did you hear about that? Um, but the problem was not only did it make oil go up for a little while, but oil, uh, the gas price has been propped up by a government program that was doing that. And also they need a lot of oil to run air 
and of course, air, I mean windmills that supply oil, uh, which is one of the programs the government subsidizes or funds. And I, I can tell you all about it because we got a lot that a lot of that over here. So they're just not able to do that as cheaply as they was before because of what they did with the oil. And that is a major issue. It's a lot of different things they've been doing. And it looks like they were doing it on purpose. All right. Uh, announced 1,100 layoffs from Spain. Um, oh, look at this. Announced plans to slash 1,100 jobs in Valencia, Spain. The company plans to discontinue the production of the S-Max and Galaxy in its plant at Valencia in April to shift its focus towards the profitable SUV and van segments. The shift is in the production lineup is, is cited as a reason for job cuts by the company spokesperson. Guys, this isn't true. This isn't true. Um, and you're going to know they're lying because you're going to see it happen in other sectors. Moving along. Microsoft, this is why they messed me. This is why I'm upside down right now. Where am I? I can't even see myself anymore. Oh, this is why I'm upside down. It seems darker than normal too. Microsoft third, third, one, two, three, layoff round. And by the way, Apple laid a bunch of people off too, didn't it? But it's because of the production of their new truck. Bullshit. Microsoft third layoff round hits employees in supply chain cloud IoT of business. Now, I'm not here to give any financial advice. I'm not, not at all. But I'm going to tell you this. As soon as I'm able to here in a week or two, I'm pulling out my retirement. Absolutely. And I'm not sweating about it at all. Not at all. Microsoft, do you guys remember 2008? Because less stuff happened then and the economy was worse. I'm just saying. Microsoft has conducted a third round of layoffs and impacted employees in roles related to supply chain, artificial intelligence, and Internet of Things. Wow. Supply chain, because they're not going to do anything more. AI and Internet of Things, I believe, was their main focus, by the way, going forward. According to CRN, the third wave of layoffs are part of the ten thousand job. Let me go ahead and put this big screen for you. I know you're not going to want to miss this, even though some of you have. In Washington State, the tech giant recently sacked 689 employees, according to records. In February, Microsoft informed Washington State that 617 employees were let go. In the same month, the company notified the state of California that 108 employees were let go. In January, Microsoft informs Washington State that 878 employees were cut, bringing the total number of employees let go in the state to 2,184. Wait a second. Remember... We got a major freaking problem here, and I, and I want you guys to pay attention. I know you are, but let me go way back to the top, all right? 10,000 employees, all right? Is that what they said? No, it's just said third layoff. Uh, you guys, yeah, it said 10,000 jobs. Didn't you hear 10,000 jobs was also at Microsoft? Here's the problem, and here's the disconnect here. The media, as you're watching the mainstream media, and we can't help but go over some of it, 
but they're 100% lying about everything that comes out of their mouth and about the most dangerous things that the things that affects your finances and keeps your family safe because you, and I'll prove it to you. You remember when they were talking about Twitter, really how evil Elon Musk is and how he let people go when he first got there. He did it differently. He gave them a choice. This is the same thing Microsoft and all these other tech companies are doing, but they lied. And because they didn't like him or his politics, they said that about him. Now they're laying a lot of people off. Do you think it's the best people that are going to stay? No, the people that'll do what they're, they have to do to control you guys, to manipulate the message. And I've seen this happening and it's, going to consolidate and get worse with the news media that you get watched there's people that were asking me why are these mainstream shows like banfields for example becoming like like a current affair or you know the national Enquirer, things like that uh hell pretty soon you're gonna see banfield show she's gonna start doing dna to find out who the daddy is and brian enton's gonna read it off and tell people who the daddy who the daddy's not they will go to that level. They're going to have to because they're going to have to do what they have to do to have people watch the circus. You're going to have to have high drama and low info. And that's what you're going to have to do. I refuse. I refuse to do that. That's one reason I have my own website. I have my own radio station so you guys can get real information. If nowhere else, you're going to hear it on there. You're going to hear something. You're going to be able to communicate. You're going to be able to talk and figure out what the truth is as opposed to having lies fed to you. If you believe everything they say, you can't believe everything they say because they're contradicting themselves from one week to the another. We need real information so we can survive, everybody. They don't want, they want, to, they don't want you to realize what's happening, so you leave your money in there so they suck off of it. What happens to that money? You have your, your money, your retirement money in there, and it's invested into these different accounts. They don't want you to pull it off. They want you to think everything's fine because the son of a bitches that pull the money out are these companies that are going down are the ones that pay the news media. All right? Somebody asked me the other day in our Discord, they said, when did things start going so badly and how did this happen? Uh, it, it's been going on since the beginning of time. Since the beginning of time, here's what happened. Everybody lives without outside of their means, unless you completely own everything. And who owns 100% their car and their house? You do at a certain point of your life. Anyway, somebody stood beside one person. One person was there with their family. They were completely satisfied and happy and knew nothing different. Then this dark stranger walks up and says this, Hey, I see you're happy. But hey, have you heard about this? You know, that's fine, but you know, I think you would be happier if you had this. That's where it started. That's where it continued. And that's where it's going. But if you guys want to continue what we're doing here, and I will take it there, I have the infrastructure in place, then we'll continue to do that. But that's your choice. If you don't want me to talk about this, I won't talk about it with you. If you do, then we will continue this too. 
We have a app for the Midnight Radio Station. We have our own radio station. We have an app in the Android store. All right, I think there's a link up there in the chat. If you're here listening to me live, you can grab that app. Now, here's the importance of that. That is your bat signal, all right? Whenever we're going to do something, whenever we're going live, and we're starting news, by the way, on the radio stream, all right? So you're going to get breaking news about all these things happening without conjecture about it, okay? Whenever something happens, I can send you a push notification saying, hey, look at this, or we're about to go live now so we can have a conversation about this. This is what the show is, a conversation with you. There's Microsoft. All right, here's a smaller smaller company, but very important to the people that work there, Blunt Fine Foods. All right, this is March 13th. Guys, this is within a three-day period. I haven't been holding these back for months. Blunt Fine Foods shut down Northeast Portland factory to lay off 198 people. Massachusetts-based food and suit manufacturer will be laying off nearly 200 workers as it prepares to shut down a Northeast Portland production facility. They say they opened the facility in the second half of 2020, so they just opened it. It plans to start production at the 80,000-square-foot facility by May 12th. May. March, April, May. We're about mid-March now. The company CEO said in a statement Monday, the company plans to consolidate production to more established facilities in New England and Texas ahead of the fresh soup industry's off-season. Okay. Facilities closure means 198 workers. I love it how they say, oh, we're closing down, but we're going to be healthier because of it. No. It's not true. This is not just industry-wide. This is global, global business-wide. All right, how stupid do they think we are? It means that 198 workers will lose their job. We understand how difficult this is on the hardworking bastards that this is going to affect, but we're going to support them through this transition adding that affected workers in Portland have been offered jobs at other plants while our Portland plant will ramp down production over the next two months. We will keep in the ready for possible reintroductions needed. That sounds good. Nike employees report layoffs on social media. When is this? Oh, this was the end of February. Oh, updated March 3rd. Okay. Really? Does Nike have a new truck coming out? Or are they just going to discontinue? Or do they just want cheaper soup? Oh, well. Hard to find the words, but like many other amazing people lately, I was hashtag laid off from hashtag Nike yesterday. If you followed me or worked with me at all, you know how much I love my career and what I get to do. I wonder if they're laying off Michael Jordan. No, wait, he's Haynes now. Or does he wear the underwear and wear the shoes? I'm not sure. There is no greater joy than being able to love your job and the company that you work for. 
Uh, Natalie, uh, who also worked in Nike's talent acquisition department, what does that mean? Said that she was laid off after working for the company for almost two years. I was impacted by the layoffs at Nike. It has been amazing two years working alongside talented individuals, but I plan on using this time to recharge and refresh before diving back into that job search. As I do, Natalie, as I. Maybe it's all in my imagination. Maybe it was in my imagination four months ago when I told you this was going to happen. Maybe it'll be in my imagination when they start hitting back on free speech, which, I mean, I'm, it's nothing like they did before, where these three things I can't talk about on YouTube, it's going to be so much worse. By the Republicans. All right, go ahead. What is this? They're trying to make me buy this New York Times? I don't think so. Here, you guys can look at this. You can look at me upside down while I fix this. Oh, subscribe with PayPal. I don't think so. Well, this was interesting. Oh, it's showing what I'm looking at. Podcast companies once walking on air feel the strain of gravity. You've reached, I've not reached my limit. I've not read your article. Well, the podcast companies they were talking about were conglomerates, you know, and um, Spotify is really shaking things up and changing it up a little bit. They really dropped how much you can make by advertisements, although I never advertised on there anyway. Matter of fact, everything we do is ran by you guys. If there's no funding from you, then there's no show. And here's the reason. It doesn't matter how many views I get, whether it's uh, 17,000, 40,000, or you know, 500, 1,000, it doesn't matter. Your views come within the first 24, 48 hours. And YouTube has me shut off. Like, if you see commercials in the first two days, they're not from me. All that money is robbed and goes straight to YouTube. And then after two days, they say, okay, you're okay to be monetized for this video. And then I get, like, 10 more views and get, like, 13 cents. Like, thanks, YouTube. What do I need you for? I don't know. It's robbery is what it is. Robbery. All right, here we go. They're robbing you guys because actually all the money goes into what you guys get back. We're going deeper on a story Let's that has deep. really transfixed our area. A daycare owner shoots and nearly kills her husband at a swanky D.C. hotel after learning he was accused of molesting children. Her husband, a former Baltimore police officer, is now awaiting trial. Our Bruce Lashan spoke with Shantiri Weems in a rare and exclusive jailhouse interview. The first shot was in the neck. Yes. And then you shot him in the leg. Yes. Yeah, Bruce mm. Lashan joins us now in the studio. That was just a quick clip yeah, there, but I mean, <laughs> but there was a lot that came out of this. And Shantiri Weems tells you that she didn't consider herself to be a violent person, but something happened. Yeah. yeah, well, I mean, and the judge talked about this at the hearing when she was sentenced to twice what the plea bargain mm. was supposed to be. Four years, the judge rejected the plea deal. He went with, um, uh, it was supposed to be two, two years. years. He went right. with four mm -hmm. years. But um, she talked to me about it, and she said that the blood just drained out of her body. Mm. I mean, Ed, the judge said everything had imploded on her. Mm. You know, her career, this crusade that she was on with her husband to 
bring keep kids out of prison to do good things by troubled kids that blew up the man she trusted most in the world had betrayed her and she said she just snapped and went down there but the judge also said wait a minute you had some inkling of this days before it happened mm. that he was unwilling to forgive now even with that said she's getting a lot of empathy a lot of people who are supporting her how is she feeling in there right now she feels tremendous gratitude okay. mm. about all the support that she get she got and and it was remarkable to me i mean despite all of this she seemed remarkably calm and kind of centered uh, and able to talk about everything that happened and she's get says she's getting through with the help of her fellow inmates which is mm. interesting because her fellow incarcerated people because she herself is a former correctional officer mm. and she actually says she went into daycare Hoping because to keep she them out. saw so many wow. young yeah. people who ended up in prison wow. well you know bruce this is unprecedented for us because we don't always take stories over two days and break up the same thing but there was so much to talk about and there's so many people who want to hear from Shantiri Weems that we thought that was the best way to do justice to this story right, right. And, and tonight we're gonna kind of hear about what led up to it and yeah. what she was thinking when she drove down to that swanky hotel yeah. in DC from mm -hmm. Baltimore County Tomorrow night, we're going to go actually through the shooting itself. So okay. stick around. Watch watch both parts. Yeah, it's a really complex case. Complex. And again, as Bruce has said here, make sure to tune into the News at 11 to see more of Bruce's exclusive interview with Shantiri Weems from Behind Bars. Great interview. We're looking forward to more of this discussion, Bruce. A lot of pedophiles getting put six feet under the ground in today's episode. I didn't expect that, but that's what happened. Hello, everybody. Thank you for your continued support. I appreciate it very much. I want to remind everybody that if you'd like to become a DJ, we are still looking for DJs for Midnight Radio. All, first step, and all you have to do is email us, midnightrad.io101 at gmail.com with the subject, I'd like to be a DJ, and put in there, you know, what do I do next, and we'll show you the steps. It's very easy. If you want to be on a radio station, become a part of what we do. I don't care if you're a podcaster or what you are. If you want to be... A DJ, I will put you on the air. Email me. If you'd like more of Midnight Radio, and we have the licensing to play all the music in the world on our stream, and we do. It's a constant flow of great music with very little commercials. And I mean that. And we have DJs on there. You can check that out. We have an app in the Google Play Store for the Android. Um, we also have a link that you can get access to on our community page right there you can bookmark that and listen to the straight feed or you can go to our website midnightrad.io we're going to be updating that and adding some articles on that very soon within the next couple of days um we're also adding news we're adding news more news more financial news more main not mainstream news stories from a mainstream source but about what's going on we're adding that to the feed and of course, we we're gonna have some true crime on the feed on the feed. So thank you guys for tuning in. Am I leaving anything out? If you'd like to be an executive producer, all you have to do is donate twenty dollars or more, and you do that through the a cash app, which is our cash app is Midnight Radio One Zero One, or you can do that through a super chat, super sticker, super thanks, and we'll read it, and you'll be the executive producer of the next show. Also, if you would just like to donate anything to help us continue what we're doing you can do that for anything under 20 
All right. Thank you guys very much. Uh, we're going to be here next time. Um, yeah, I'm upside down tonight. They're having a problem with. Let's see if I can still see me upside down. We're having a problem with our cameras and our software. I don't know if it has to do with the layoffs or what, but we're going to get that fixed tomorrow because we have a software engineer and that's his job. Diego in Florida, Florida man works with us and he's good. He'll get it fixed. But man, when it happens, right when I, it right before I hit play, there's nothing I can do guys. There's absolutely nothing I can do. It's not everything worked until I was about ready to hit play. So what am I going to do? Right? I don't know. All right. Thank you guys very much. We're going to be back here in a tomorrow. The next day, I will let you guys know until next time. All my best.